What is the most visited country in the world? Is the question that I will answer by the end of this show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The More You Know Mondays. The more you know, the more you grow. And this week on the show, I will be talking about Pierre Farchard. I think that's how you say his name anyway. (laughs) But before I get into him, um, (laughs) I will start with Monday motivations and you know this is how we start the show every week Uh, we start with just a bit of positive vibes because this is the start of the week and sometimes it can be a bit draining after the weekend of chilling out but you know there's only five days and then the weekend is back not that you should be just living for the weekend although right now that is all we can currently live for because there's not much else you can do so yeah live for the weekend (laughs) only five days but monday is the most important day because it it starts your week and it starts your mindset so i feel like we should start with some positivity so this week's quote is by well I haven't actually found the author for this quote, but I'm sure I might find it in doing my research after the show, (laughs) which I know sounds backwards, but it's my process, man. Just let me do my process. (laughs) Funnily enough, this quote goes like this. If the plan doesn't work, change the plan, but never the goal. And I really like this quote, which kind of, it's kind of funny for me because in saying what I was saying post this quote, I was thinking about this quote in my mind because I knew I was going to say it. Um, and it makes me think that th- it's a hundred percent true in the facts of usually you find that if something doesn't work out, that instead of trying to see what else could be done, some people might um, discard it altogether. And, and when I say some people, I'm included in that group because I don't know, there's maybe certain things that I maybe started to do. And I'll say in the form of something that I can remember, like a, like a video game, like I started to play a level and it just got really hard up at a, a certain level. And instead of, tr- although I did try and do it multiple other ways, I changed my plan multiple times and it still wasn't working. Although maybe I, I wasn't thinking about it um, with a fresh mind. So what I like to do is my change of plan scenario, instead of just changing my actual game strategy 
and it's still failing, I will take that game out and put it to the side and play some other games until I get to the point of like, I've forgotten that I had the game or not that I've forgotten that I had the game or maybe it's a thing where I, I think to myself, oh, I, I haven't played this game in a while. And then I pick it up, playing it with a fresh mind. And then somehow I end up no longer being stuck on that level that I was originally stuck on because I've come at it with a different point of view. And the different point of view comes from all my other experiences that I had experienced after I put that game down and then coming back to it with that new sensibility. Not even thinking, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to complete this level. Or maybe like if I picked up the game and I think back and I'm like, oh, I remember why I put this down in the beginning. <laughs> maybe I should... um Maybe I should just give it another try. Maybe I can complete it now. Um, but the plan could be anything, really. But I think the main thing to get out of it is that just because something doesn't work out the first time that you try it in that way doesn't mean that you can't try come back and try it in another way or try it in another way or try it in another way until it does work or you try it in a completely out of the box way and but the main aim for you is to get your final goal um which is cool it's like i was watching this documentary randomly on I think it was ITV2, and I can't even remember what day it was or anything, but I think it was on ITV2, but anyway, it was about Mark Wright, and I think I recognised him as like kind of a TV personality, and then as the documentary was going on, they said that he was on like the only way is Essex, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, I never watched that, so that's probably why I didn't fully recognize him but i've seen him on tv before on like other things you know um but i just found it interesting that he was talking about his story of how he got into the tv personality business or i don't say tv personality business i mean like how he became a tv personality and he got into working in tv and everything and he was training at Crawley FC, um, with Crawley Town FC, which is the football team that he currently plays for now. Um, and he was, was saying that how he was work, he was saying playing semi professionally at Crawley Town while also working in the day or even at night after training and before training so like he would have like minimal time to sleep but then he was still making it to training and practicing and then like after he i can't remember what it was that uh i really can't remember exactly what it was that made him stop playing football in the beginning but he said that he was maybe like 29 i think he said and he decided 
that he was going to stop playing football and he's embarked on the route of into TV and then after about five six years of working in TV like he has been I think it's I think that it was 29 don't 100% quote me on this I'm trying to use this on recall but I remember like the main things of how it pertains to this quote it is all connected 100% so like he he went on and he'd done his TV thing and then after doing that side or exploring that side he came back to his original goal of wanting to be a footballer he he always had that thing inside of him while he was out on tv that he always wanted to play football like properly professionally so he's now come back to his roots where he started his original goal to be a footballer he is gonna be or gonna be doing that but like he had to change his plan and go on a completely different route before he realized that where he his actual heart does rely or where his where he want hit where his passions really do lie is in football and he's got to a point where he it obviously, I guess maybe he can, and since he can still play football, and it's something that he still wants to do, why not try it again with this fresh set of mindset, or fresh set of mindset, fresh mindset that he never had, or a different perspective on everything that he didn't have before when he was embarking on this uh on that journey so he he changed his plans but he still kept his original goals and still went back to that to try and um achieve it but just at a different time and it, then it worked so i don't know call it timing if you want to but the main thing is that you never give up with anything that you want to do. At the end of the day, like, it might not work out the way that you have planned it. But try something else or think outside of the box. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Do something that you haven't seen before. That's the only way you can... Um, I guess create something different or be in a different lane or have a different fan base I don't know I don't know it, what it is that you want to do but anything that it is like if you see it being done multiple times by multiple different people in the same way then that means that there's time for or there's room for a different approach it could be the same thing, but just with your perception of things. But, yeah. That's what I want you to take away. Usually I like break down is what I, what I mean by this is, but no, I think I've fully explained that. <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed Monday's motivations and I'll 
get into the show. Well, I have started the show. I'll get into the Pierre Farchard. So who is Pierre Farchard? Um, you might be asking. And why are you talking about him? <laughs> well, I thought it would be interesting since um, I work in dentistry, but I'm, I'm not a dentist or anything. Um, so uh, since I, I mainly just talk on the phone to people and help with appointments and bookings and stuff like that, um, I'm basically just an administrator in, I wouldn't say a dental surgery, I work in the head office, but um, it's it's something that, I, it's, it's a job that I work in that I don't know too much about because it's not, um, I guess, my main goal in being there. Although I, 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 I do love my job, it's not particularly what I want to do so I don't really or I didn't feel like I needed to really learn too much about dentistry as a whole rather than knowing what I need to know to do my job until I started doing this podcast where I started looking into just random interesting facts and I just I think I went into my office at work and I was speaking to one of my bosses and I was just like, or a couple of my bosses, and I asked if there was just any interest in facts about dentistry because, like, they, they're dentists or dental nurses uh, or they, they're, like, managers of the area, so I assume they know a lot about dentistry, but there wasn't much that they could think of other than maybe the argument between um, fluoride, which, I don't know, it could be an interesting uh, discussion to go into in the More You Know Mondays, um, which I will delve into maybe later in my other research. But I started to look into, like, maybe interesting facts about dentistry you know like maybe there was interesting people i could find so i found like a whole array of interesting people in dentistry i was like yo like i don't need to know about this but i'm gonna learn because it it seems a little bit interest uh it seems pretty interesting to me in the fact of like especially with pierre farchard he's basically known as the father of modern dentistry in the sense that he created or he wrote a book about dental surgery, um, which he wrote in, in, in 1728. So like this was almost where we in, 2021 so <laughs> almost 300 years ago he wrote a book which became basically the bible for dentistry but before we get into what he achieved we should probably talk about where he comes from like where he was born when he was born because he we know that he wrote a book 
1728, but Pierre Farchard was born in 1678. And luckily for Pierre, he was also born into a very modest home, so you have to assume that his family weren't rich, but they were well off. He didn't go without things. So he was born in the town of Saint-Denis-de-Gastain, which is in France. So he joined the French Royal Navy at age 15. Um, And much of his family didn't agree with him joining the Navy. Um, But when he was there, he became under the influence of Alexander uh, Potelaret, who was basically a surgeon major who spent a lot of time studying diseases on teeth and mouth. And that inspired Pierre uh, Farchard. And Alexander encouraged him to look more into that side of dentistry, which wasn't really dentistry at that time yet. Um, it was just, I guess, oral and mouth surgery. And if you think about it, back in those days, it wasn't really, they wasn't really doing much treatment on teeth. It was more, if that tooth is bad, it's coming out. I guess, type of thing. So, people weren't saving teeth. They were losing teeth. Which, if you think about it, isn't too dissimilar to right now. People are still losing teeth. (laughs) But it usually only happens when you get really old. Or much older. Because, um, basically, because of what Pierre Farchard decided to um, do research into and study. So it was during the time when he was under the wing of Alexander uh, Potellerellet. I don't think that was right. Uh, Potellerellet. And during that time, he learned that sailors who were on long voyages... They suffered from a lot of dental ailments, uh, which included scurvy in particular. So eventually, through the readings of what Alexander Patelleret was teaching him, or what he was reading and inspecting and investigating through his findings from what Alexander had found and then also looking into some of the healing arts um, he wanted to study it further so he became a combat medic and also uh, Potelleret's protege so after he left the navy he settled down in the town of Anger, which is 
200 miles or about 200 miles away from Paris. So he started to practice medicine at the University of Angers Hospital, which is where he basically pioneered dentistry. And it's crazy to think this all happened about 300 years ago. So he considered himself as a surgical dentist, which was kind of rare around those times because not many people were referring to or referred to as dentists in the 17th century. So generally, like I was saying before, like instead of treating a, uh, treating a decayed tooth, in those times, they would rather just remove it altogether. So that's the tooth that's having or giving you the problem. Okay, we'll remove it. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of a thing where Pierre Farchard basically revolutionized the whole area and l looked at the goal in a different way. Instead of just removing the tooth, there must be a way that we can save and restore these teeth instead of just getting rid of them altogether because we obviously need our teeth for something. If you're going around with just gums like a baby, um, you can't bite many things. As in to chew your food, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm going out biting random people. Um, not that I can go out and bite anyone, really. Um, because I need to social distance from everyone. And stay in this bubble until it's safe to go outside again like the Isle of Man. Um, who are now all removed of social distance in restrictions. Which is dope for them. But. I'm still stuck. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> that's a, a, an, a story for another time. So what I think is cool. Is that. While. There were quite a few limitations. At the time. For dentistry work. Or dental work. Um, he still managed to find a way around it so there were a lot of uh instruments uh that he used from other areas that he improvised and created dental air, uh, dental tools from them so he used to um adapt tools from watchmakers jewelers and even barbers where he found tools that they use that he thought could work within dentistry. So he was actually the first person to introduce uh, dental fillings as a treatment for dental cavities. He's basically the guy that figured out that tartaric acid is the cause of dental cavities 
And he also made suggestions that um, swelling around the tooth or tumours, sorry, surrounding the tooth in the gum would appear in the later stages of tooth decay. He was the pioneer of dental prosthetics. So he discovered many, many methods for replacing lost teeth. So prosthetics, I guess that includes like false teeth and stuff like that. He figured out that there was multiple ways where if you don't have teeth that you can have teeth. <laughs> like false teeth. You don't have teeth? Well, I can get you teeth. Or I can build you a mold. So you have teeth that you can use. Dun 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 False teeth. <laughs> and if there was a slogan for false teeth, that would be it. Not, a, <laughs> not exactly those words. I'm sure I can revise it, but that would basically be what it'd be. You don't have teeth? Well, I can get you teeth. Burn up, burn, burn up. False teeth. Burn up, burn, burn up. False teeth. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then on the advert, false teeth will come up and then it'll be loads of, uh, small print and it would be, uh, a subscription deal where you can get your false teeth made for you and, um, Whenever you need them to be replaced, maybe it's every six months, you can just get a new mold made for you and you just pay a certain price. Like, if anyone's listening that can make that happen, there's like a free idea right there. <laughs> like, I just thought about that on the spot just from the idea of a false teeth and the world that we live in, but maybe it's in the works somewhere and maybe it's not and if i do see it out there while i'm just doing random stuff then maybe you listen to my podcast and that's where you got the idea so one of the methods that he used um for artificial teeth um and and it was more kind of he was trying to figure out how once they had replaced the artificial teeth, which they would usually use kind of, uh, I guess, blocks of ivory or bone as the artificial tooth. But the hard part then was holding in place this artificial tooth. What would they use? So he devised a way where they could use maybe um, tie the loose the artificial tooth to the remaining strong tooth teeth <laughs> um and maybe use a pivot uh which they could tie in place with either waxed thread or gold wire he also introduced dental braces although initially they were made of gold <laughs> I mean, it's a strong metal. I, I see why, but very expensive. Um, he discovered that teeth positions could be corrected 
as teeth would follow the pattern that they were wired to. Um, which is pretty cool that he figured this all out through his study in the Navy. And then he came back and pioneered the whole of dentistry. So the revolutionary book that he wrote, which was titled Le Shenzhen Dentiste. And I know I pronounced that incorrectly because it's French and I'm not French, but I, I did try. But the very close translation or very rough translation would be the surgical dentist now this book was a 600 page manuscript which he compiled together and in this 600 page manuscript which after he you know this was the first draft he shared it out with the medical community around him and he got a lot of feedback so this 600 page manuscript turned into a 783 page manuscript and that version was the final version which was published in 1728 in two volumes of course <laughs> um so this book uh was very well received in the european medical community um and there was a german translation that was already made of it by 1733 but the interesting thing is that the English version or the English translation of this book didn't actually come until 1946. So we English speaking countries, although I wasn't alive back then, English speaking countries, they had to wait a whole 200 years before they were able to see the revolutionary aspects of modern men of modern dentistry so put it put it in that perspective like countries like england they would have been 200 years behind the rest of europe when it came to dentistry though in the book pierre farchard looked into the dental field of prevention the autonomy of teeth, surgery, dental surgery, uh, dental facial orthopedics, and oral diseases. And within the book, he also had like diagrams, and so you could visually see as well as the science behind it in writing, which is pretty interesting that all those years ago he managed to figure it all out and write it down so that he could share this what he found out or figured out with more people so when it came to hygiene for that time i found it interesting that 
the way they used to brush their teeth or clean their mouth or keep their teeth clean um, was that uh, Fairchild, he believed that people should clean their teeth uh, every morning by washing their mouth with water and rubbing their teeth with a wet sponge. Um, he also believed that ethanol mixed with water would be a sufficient cleaning solution. And he didn't really believe much or think much of toothbrushes as he felt that a sponge could do the job much better. He recommended that if water and rubbing your teeth with sponge was not sufficient, then a mixture of coral, dragon's blood, burnt honey, seeds, see, uh, seed pearls, cutty fish bones, crayfish eyes, bal aldimer, um, and various other thing almonds crushed together into a fine powder um and then rinsing your mouth out with that would help to clear anything else out that you couldn't get with just water and a sponge <laughs> so he invented modern dentistry but i do find it interesting that the english translation took over 200 years or it took over 200 years for the this book to be translated into english so it makes me wonder if the if dentistry in english speaking countries was still quite medieval until it came to 1946 <laughs> or maybe in english speaking countries they also figured out the same type of thing before pierre farchard did or not before after farchard but before the translation came to england or maybe or not england specifically but english speaking countries or maybe the practice was um, seen through traveling and then brought back to um, English-speaking countries. It would be interesting to look into that. Um, but that would be a fact that I share with another episode when I maybe delve into the guy who invented and mass-produced the very first toothbrush. But that's for another episode, as I am done for this week on uh, Pierre Farchard. But please do look more into um, Pierre Farchard if you're interested in dentistry or just curious like I was. But I promised you an answer to a question. And this week, the question was, what is the most visited country in the world? And surprisingly, and quite topically, since um, 
Pierre Farchard was from France. And, oh, I've just blown it there. <laughs> the most visited country in the world. And it has been for, from what I can see, many, many years, is France. They had about 89 million international visitors or, or tourists in the last year. That's 2020. When most of the world was shut down, they still managed to get 80, about 89 million international tourists. Um, the top three countries or top four countries, which is a weird stat to mention, but it's just these are the top four countries that I see on Google. <laughs> so the top four countries, number four is China. They have, in 2020, they had about 60, 62 million international tourists. And then number three is the United States that had 79 million international tourists in 2020. And Spain is number two with about 82 million international tourists that they had last year. And France is top and they've been top for the last couple of years, which is, I don't know. I need to probably look deeper into why that is. I'm not sure why, but they have broken the world record and they had the most visitors in 2019 as well as 2018. But if you put it in comparison to the amount of visitors that the UK had in 2020, the UK had about 9.7 million international visitors. And that was during COVID and us being in lockdown. So, I mean, sounds crazy to me that we could even have around 10 million people still coming internationally in and out of the country when we have a global pandemic going on. And even, yeah, it just sounds a bit crazy, but it is what it is. We need to make money from tourism somehow, I guess. Right. Isn't that right? Government. <laughs> but anyway, I'll call that the end of the show. So I hope, that you have enjoyed listening to this week's episode on Pierre Farchard and do look more into the subject if you're interested in it and if maybe dentistry isn't your thing maybe you can look into previous other episodes if you if this is the first episode that you are listening to and if it is the first episode that you're listening to welcome to the fold welcome to learning more and the more you know, the more you grow with the knowledge that you learn. A very long-winded way of saying whatever I was trying to say, but welcome. <laughs> and thank you for listening, if you have listened this far into the episode. Um, it's much appreciated, as I said before. And yeah, hope you check it out next week and check out the previous episodes this podcast i don't know where you're listening to it but 
it's available everywhere to my knowledge even on youtube if you're on youtube and you've thought yeah let me find it on there <laughs> um but yeah i've got no much more not much more to say about pfr chart in this episode but other than keeping the monday affirmation strong by never giving up and if it doesn't work one way i'll try it another way until it does work but that's where i leave it thank you for listening bye